This is the Machination Log, recorded July 24th, 2016. This is your host, Eternal David Paddock. To my left, we've got Brian Garcia. Back, also known as Mike. Back in the <laughs> sound room, a.k.a. Ryan, a.k.a. etc. To his left, we've got Hov back. Long time no see, folks. Yeah, Jesus. Or here, I guess, in this case. It's been a while. What have you been doing? Uh, I've just... Either, either stuff's been overlapping poorly, or I've been really lazy. Like I, always, I have a lot of events to go to that I like just like be sitting in a chair or in bed. I'm like, oh, it's just it's so far away. Even if it isn't, I just don't want to commit. But eh, you know, I'm glad to be here. How dangerously social, yeah, gents. We're here to discuss writing in the form of Stephen King's on writing without ever referring to it. Besides this one time, nice. Did everybody read on writing? Yes, loved it. Okay, read most I, of it. I listened to it. That's right. <laughs> And that, that started a tirade we won't get into. But um, <laughs> yep. So writing in this room, uh, we've got a couple of different, we've got actually wildly disparate perspectives on yep. writing in this room right now. Um, for my part, I do a lot of personal writing. And then as fans of the site may know, I occasionally do essays, which hopefully I'll do more of in the form of the introverse. Brian, you do, at, you, I mean, this will this will sound like a, just like generic, th- but you actually are a sports writer. Yeah, yeah, an unpaid sports writer like everyone else in the planet. But uh, yeah, I write about soccer for a site called Premier Punditry. Uh, my favorite soccer team is Crystal Palace in South London for the English Premier League. So uh, I write posts about the team during the regular season. And I will say that you will not stay unpaid for long if you remain that good at plugging. So you've got <laughs> you have that part of it down, no question. And Hav. You are you are part of dare I say the mainstream of writing, where you've got you you are essentially the conduit here for the way that people normally use writing. Yes, which is in every form of social media, in every form of let's call it um, work related incident. Yeah, yeah. You take care of you take care of that side of it. So we've got we have the three ways that writing more or less gets used and abused here. That's all um, right. <laughs> I don't write professionally. I write a lot, but I don't write on a schedule. Brian writes on a schedule, and Hav writes when he needs to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not, I mean, that's not to specifically shit on Hav for anything. He's If he's, I don't have to write for work, I'm not going to write for work. It's not the most interesting thing in the world. And you're trying to be a math and science teacher, so despite my consternation that science isn't synonymous with writing, which it absolutely is in the real world. Oh my god, there's Truth. so much that you have to report on. Yeah, but that that doesn't translate to, to middle and high school, which is... No, not particularly. It's just the lesson plans. Um, they have to be like detailed enough that technically a teacher is supposed to be able to walk in and run your class. But for the most part, it's just so that the county can make sure that you're doing stuff correctly. Also, speaking of habitual journal, Brian is writing notes right now, <laughs> and he's writing in the handwriting of the people I used to despise in high school because awesome. I'll bet that you didn't have trouble writing what you actually wanted to write during prompted essay time. No. Okay, see, if I write it, if I attempted to write as rapidly as I was thinking about what to write on an essay for, let's say, the SAT or an AP exam, I would get carpal tunnel syndrome. I can't write that fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I, had, I actually think it was a semi-formative experience in the way that my rhetoric comes out that it needed to be concise because I couldn't write that fast. Um, and I know this because on the GRE, that was not a problem because on the GRE, I got to type. Yeah. <laughs> and I- that literally felt like cheating. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience remembering like past AP and SAT tests that 
I think it's it's honestly just like muscle dystrophy almost. Like the fact that I haven't written as much as I did in, in high school. Because even like the late end of college, whenever I would take notes, I would get tired like halfway through the class because I wasn't used to writing like literally all day like I used to in, in high school. And so that's, of course, depreciated whenever I have to write stuff now. It just takes even less time for my hand to just get really cramped. I, my writing just got worse. It's no slower than it ever was. Okay. I, have, <laughs> I, have, I have plenty of finger dexterity. I apparently have no wrist dexterity whatsoever. Right. I just, I can't write. Yeah, but Ryan's, Ryan's got, aside from having little hearts for the eyes. Brian. <laughs> God damn it, did I actually do it again? I thought you were joking. God damn it. That B is just too much work, Something man. Something about habits. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Ryan doesn't even live here anymore, so, like, that's not even a good excuse. Uh, I almost just want to call you Garcia. That that works. I I'm not, not going to do that. Okay. But, um, uh, so where do we want to take this? There are, since everyone in this room has their own life story to tell about how much fun and how terrible writing is yes. in equal measure. Brian. Whoa, no. Hey. How much do you write on an average day? Average day? Probably at work, we're getting about 400, 500 words for letters, you know, documenting, you know, engineering deficiencies or corrections to defects. Yeah, for those who don't remember, what do you do? <laughs> I am... What, what actually pays the bills for you? Oh, I'm, a, I'm basically a structural engineer for boats, so I got to make sure things don't fall apart, otherwise they would hit sailors or, you know, fishermen in the head and... You know, that sounds kind of painful. Thank you for your service. <laughs> um, Appreciate it. But you have to write. Do you actually write the letters or are they form letters? Oh, I write the letters. Um, Hot damn. That's yeah. like, I guess that's government work. Someone has, someone does have to write those forms. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my bosses, you know, suggested uh, back then, hey, you know, you could just look at previous work and copy paste. But I have a big ego when it comes to writing. So it's, I just start from scratch and you know, retype everything or uh, reword everything so it sounds better. Um, I fix grammatical errors I see in other engineers' documents. and I'm sure they love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you take care of, you actually take care. And it's funny because you make it sound like, and I mean, this is just sort of an educated guess, that there really isn't supposed to be a ton of writing in your job, but you like writing, so you forced it in. Yeah, I forced it in. Um, yeah, so the other engineers for like the company we work with or just people within my own company, uh, they get simple things wrong like a fact versus effect, and it drives me nuts even though it really shouldn't. And you care. I care. That's the <laughs> worst part. So when I'm writing out my own uh, you know, findings on you know, what I've seen and what we should do, oh, I, I just correct it all. And it's like, it should be this. Uh, this, you know, this engineer notes that this original document spelled the name of the ship wrong. And, <laughs> and you think, I mean, I know you would never actually, uh, knowing enough about you, you're, you're willing to blame your ego for this. Do you think there's a specific class or thing or thing you've written that has led to this? Because I can actually relate to that. I, I have accidentally implicated myself in developing all the documentation for the group yeah. that I that I write for. And it's not just because we needed that documentation rewritten, which we did. Um <laughs> It's that I enjoy doing that. Yeah. I like I like technical writing in addition to return. I like writing of all forms. I like I like attempting to provide clarity for jumbled information. Like that's if I had to describe myself in twenty eight words or whatever, that would probably be the words. That's that's the thing I enjoy doing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the thing about writing. It's it's obscenely difficult just coming up with something from scratch and making it you know 
understandable for a wide variety of audiences. So you're racking your brain. It's like, would someone get this word in this context? And they probably wouldn't. So I got to think of a more broader word. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's part of the fun of it, though. It's like if everyone can read it and understand it, that's my personal satisfaction. And I have a feeling I'm going to eventually transition to technical writing. Um, I don't know when I'm older. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're already trying. So you may not have to transition. You may accidentally find yourself there. Yeah. Do, do you, was there a specific genesis point for liking writing for you? Um, Did it kick off somewhere? I think it started in high school. I kind of just read, I read newspapers back then like a dork because that was the only thing we had to read back then. Uh, w- so, were you actually part of the newspaper club? Yeah, was? yeah. So I'd get copies of the... How Atlanta did you say Sen- that like you knew that authoritatively? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, my sister was in newspaper, I think, three or four years in high school. And I think her last two, she had Brian... And then my senior year, I was also with Brian. So I, I spent some time with Brian in newspaper. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was more like a club than an actual newspaper by the time we were done at high school. It but hey. showed. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but, um, and I guess uh, corresponding with that, do you think that journalism specifically is a thing that you is, – is that an angle you like? Because there's the writing part of journalism and there's the investigating part of journalism. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, which – which side? I mean, I guess obviously you like the writing side of it. Do you yeah. like the investigating side of it? I've grown to like it. Um, it. It's a really weird path that my life has taken from wannabe journalist to engineer. But the short story is the job I wanted at the Chicago Tribune was cut. And that journalist became the gossip writer for the Chicago Tribune instead of writing about the Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. So he did that for 10 years before he got bought out this past uh Christmas, I think. Um, so yeah, I. When well, that's, that's tragic, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So he's backpacking around the world right now. Um, so yeah, when I saw his job get cut, it's like I need a backup plan because I don't know what I'm doing. And I ran into AP Physics in high school with Mitch the Barchfeld. So it's like, oh, this class seems cool. Oh man, that's <laughs> that's a connection we've all got in this that's room. Yeah. That's a story we yeah. all have, really. It's like <laughs> I like momentum. I like energy. Cool. Everything. I love all these basic <laughs> concepts yeah. of physics. Physics one is great. Yeah. yeah. And then, I'll, look, I'll I'll stand up for physics too. It's just as soon as everything. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no. So you would? Would you actually, if journalism was still a career, would you pursue it? Yeah, I think I would. In hind, yeah, in hindsight, now I probably would have. But I mean, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, wait! You wouldn't? You would have actually gone into journalism in college? Yeah, I think I would have when I realized, um, I guess, my limitations in my current field in engineering. Design is hard. It, like designing, like trying to predict what would happen if something failed is difficult. And I didn't realize that when in college until like my junior year. It's like, oh, I'm already here and it's too late. I've so overcommitted. <laughs> engineering is a little awkward that way. Yeah. But that's, I mean... I, it's, no one, no one warned you that engineering was going to be hard. <laughs> this is well, I knew it from my dad, but I didn't really understand the design part. I wanted to be a test engineer. I wanted to destroy things because I guess I'm naturally destructive in that sense. Um, yeah, so I wanted to wreck cars. Oh, I, I guess to- you don't, you don't live here anymore. I mean, Lockheed Martin's right down the road. Man. I know, I know. That's the engine, the electrical engineering part of Lockheed Martin. Yeah, yeah. The Mechie is somewhere else. Yeah, the Mechie's somewhere in like Ocala. Who wants yeah. to live in Ocala? Sorry, Ocala. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. It was just a weird set of circumstances from that journalist getting his job cut, Mr. Barchfeld, 
Um, my dad worked as a contractor for Disney, so we had annual passes. So we went to Epcot a lot, and we did test track and interventions, and that wrecked my brain a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so when I got to UF in fall of uh, 2007, like, do I do journalism? Do I do engineering? So I was like, all right, I can, I can probably become a journalist without the degree, so I'll make that my backup plan. <laughs> it's such an ego, I know. And then I'll just do engineering as my uh, new... Look, Plan A. <laughs> credentials are so overrated. Exactly. Let me tell you. To some extent, you yeah. uh, So, Hav. Yep. What the hell, man? Where did it all go wrong? I don't know, man. I Why started, don't you like writing? I started doing some writing. I actually do like writing. I just, I, I'm a little bit lazy, I guess. I have trouble committing to the writing that I want to do. What kind of writing do you want to do? Well, it's it's just it's usually really passive stuff. Like the best example that I have was I went to a Flogging Molly concert in I think April at this point, and I was like taking notes during the event because my friend mentioned uh, I, I posted a couple statuses on Facebook that were like I'm at a Flogging Molly concert. Let's see what going to a concert of music that I don't listen to is like. And my friend said I would totally read a blog of Hav does normal stuff and blogs about it. So I thought about that. I'm like that actually sounds like a lot of fun. But Let me tell you, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, but at this point, it's been three months, and I still just have the notes sitting on my phone. I could write it if I'd like to, but for me, the toughest part about writing is getting started. Oh, like, yeah, no, we can, we, <laughs> we'll can. we touch on that. Yeah, so, I mean, beyond that, it was, uh, I did some, my friend had a blog for that we did for Magic for a while, and I did writing on that uh, pretty briefly. It was just like, oh, these are some of the new cards that you should be interested in, why you should, and it was fun to, like, I guess kind of get the broad perspective because there's a, there's a, a spectrum of magic players are the ones who play really casually and the ones really competitively. So for those who aren't familiar with the term magic, Hobbs oh, talking about magic, the gathering, magic, the, the gathering, the card game, yeah, not the, the land of the magic, card, the collectible <laughs> card game. Um, and yeah, there's, there's new cards released. And so it's fun to like try to appeal to the people. It's like, Oh, this is a combo that you might like cause it's a fun interaction or this is like a really powerful one that'll, you know, beat all your friends kind of thing. So it's like kind of poke out the stuff that does that. Uh, and that writing is a lot of fun to do because it's really casual, I guess, is the best way of putting it. I don't have to be formal. I'm writing to, to players, to people who are having fun. Well, and I mean, moreover, Hav, you are, you, in my life, you are almost the epitome of the, per you're, you're the person who is pushing the boundaries of what age means for the activities that you do because you still play Smash, mm -hmm. you do Magic the Gathering, yep. you play, you don't play more, you don't play more video games by like title than me, mm -hmm. but you play more than I do, which is a weird dynamic that time we'll, we'll okay. have to talk about yeah, at some point. That. It's just you you are you are my conduit to the world that I, I didn't even leave this world behind because I basically never actually played magic. I just collected the cards. Mm -hmm. But it's it's fun it's fun to have you there to talk to about this kind of stuff because it's something that I can't relate to. The only way, the only axis on which we align in this category is that we both don't like Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's grown on me a little bit because it at least launches every time that I try to play it, but it's still, like, featureless. I don't know. That seems like a podcast for itself. <laughs> it's, a, but it's, a, it's a bad game. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a good game. It just doesn't have a lot to it. Like, I can understand the appeal. It's geocaching with the right skins. Like, yeah. It's literally just good hats. No, it's but it's it, the hats that everyone wants. It's the only mainstream available. I Pokemon. I, I've racked my brain. I don't think there's any other thing they could have put in this game as a theme that would have no, made it as successful. as I it don't was. think so either. But I mean, that's that's as much as it's worth talking about that since we'll get 
shit for yeah. talking about it at all. <laughs> Going back on your theme, I think part of it comes from, I, like what I mentioned in, in the competition, is that I like being competitive, so every once in a while it's fun to dip into. But I also oh, that's, really... that's the other thing I was thinking of. You play you play MOBAs. You are into competitive gaming, which oh. is just a side... It's just a world... You, and you are, you're basically my... There are a bunch of people that I could hold up as the paragons of those things, but most of them only play one or two games. Mm-hmm. You play all of them. Yeah, and and then the reasoning for that, it's fun. I just I have the competitive edge, so I, I like being competitive. But the biggest reason is I like the community. Like, I'm still playing Melee, Smash Brothers Melee, because I love the community, and I've been in it since March 2006. So at this point, I can't let go of those Yeah, you're, in, you're entrenched. Yeah, super entrenched. And it's, it's the same thing with Magic. I like the people I play with. I like meeting new people. I love getting perspectives. It's like... The, the the competitive you know grinders who are trying to go to the big tournaments sponsored by the company that makes magic and then there's just kitchen table magic which is like playing with your friends i love the perspective of both of these players and it's i mean it's the same thing with mobots i i play uh, han and not han anymore it's i play dodo with steven and jules just because i like playing with steven and jules and i know it's a game that we can play together so it's definitely so a little bit So do you want to write about that <laughs> <laughs> um i probably could i just don't think anyone would read it so and I, well, don't I let that stop. There, there's no way I'm gonna write for myself because it's I, I, I almost like writing the notes and going over what I would be writing is almost satisfying enough for me. I'm like, okay, I like where this is going. Like it's very I don't know. I, I was told that's what Da Vinci would do. He would start on a on an art project and then halfway through he'd realize, all right, this is gonna look great and then leave it alone. I kinda have that same perspective sometimes, how I'll start working on something and then at a certain point I'm just satisfied with the work that I've done plus the work I will probably do, and it's just a matter of time to get it into its fruition. And then at that point, it's who's going to read it to me. Well, that so. sounds like the exact opposite. I mean, to quote uh, to quote the anonymized whoever it was, um, the hardest parts of a project are the beginning, the middle, and the end. So we've got beginning and the end covered. Um, because you, I mean, you had mentioned that it's tough to get started on that stuff, but mm-hmm. I guess this isn't quite that kind of writing. This is so informal that it would just be something that you start on. And I can, I can relate to oh, this. For sure. I can relate to this quite candidly because it's, um, I actually use it as a strategy in Civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who play Civilization, you may be frustrated with the mid game and the end game of that game because uh, they're they're bad and you just um, you haven't come to terms with this despite playing for thousands of hours. Here's your panacea for it. I've, I've cracked the code on civilization. So you start the game, you set all the variables that you need to, you pick your faction, you pick your enemy's faction, you, you take care of all that stuff. You start the game, you got your settler, you move your settler to just the perfect city space. And if you don't, if, if that's not available, restart the game, <laughs> find, get that ideal city space. Now you've got your city. And your line of sight opens a little bit, and you can see where you're going to put your second city and your third city. So plan that out, and imagine how great that's going to be, and then shut the game off. (laughs) Or if you want, if you want even more enjoy, restart the game at that point. It is at least as much fun as actually playing it, where your dreams get shattered by about the 15th turn, because something stupid you didn't want to have happen happens, and nobody likes that. Right. Yeah, the unpredictability is for the people who play multiplayer. If you're just if you just love the planning, you can just look at it like this 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 broad view of just like your Christmas dream and you're like, yeah, this is gonna be great. When someone says it won't work, you just hush hush, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is fine. And this satisfaction is just gives you enough elation that it's like, okay, cool. Man, I can go get lunch or something at this point. Yeah. Speaking of writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. This is 
Like I have a, uh, I have an essay. I don't know that I've promised on the air, but I, uh, I like Hob. I had a. Um, it wasn't a concert, although there is a concert on the horizon. I'm not. I'm not even going to say what happened though, because that kind of promise is what makes these things not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, is every it, it, for those of you who are not aware, if you're doing a project, don't tell people you're doing that project until you are way too far into it to stop, because your brain will get you will get a dopamine hit from telling people that you have committed. Which is sufficient to keep you from starting. And if they ask you about it, oh my god! Don't don't say it's anything. It's even worse. Don't don't say it. No, like after you've told them, they're like, oh, but what do you think about this? And if you can answer that question, that just makes the dopamine hit even harder. It's it's horrible. It no, the uh, yeah, it's and that's that's like genuine advice. That's not. I'm not kidding. Don't tell people you're doing things. Um, just do them and then tell them about how you did them. Yeah, um, for sure. The, uh, uh, but no, I had a uh, I had an essay that I was writing for the biggest little fur con, um, which took place. God, I don't even know how many months ago now. Um, and I didn't take notes during it, which was dumb on my part because I figured I was going to write about it. Uh, but that just that just didn't work out. And so instead, it was supposed to be my opus about being a furry that is not currently on the site because it's the thing I get asked about, and justifiably so. It's probably the quirkiest part of who I am. So it would be nice to have a formalized response. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So that essay is presently at about 3,000 words, and the preamble is basically done, and I'm through about day one of four. Um, Excellent. And by through, I mean it will need massive revision. Um, and probably some reorganization. But the, that, all the ideas are there, though. No, they're not. Okay, never mind. No, they're not all there. <laughs> I've outlined it several times. <clears throat> I've done all the tricks. I am intimately aware. I follow lifehacker.com. I know all of the only partially verifiable tricks to get projects done. Um, that essay is never going to happen. And I don't even think it's a matter of scale because I've written several essays that are longer than that. Mm-hmm. In fact, the introverse... Uh, the introverse episodes on Bingo and Pulse, <coughs> pardon me, are both over 4,000. Okay. So I can write that long. But the subject matter is horrible. Um, and it's something that I can't break down because I want to have the whole thing together. I want to have a perfectly cohesive package. Um, but and I can I can write little bits of it. But as soon as I need to read through the whole thing, or I need to add something to a list that is already that long, suddenly I need to go back and revise everything else to yeah. reflect where I'm at now. So I've I feel like I've stumbled on why novels are not written by anyone under the age of thirty five. Yes, um, you have to have developed a voice that is changing little enough between the beginning and end of a book that you don't feel the need to constantly rewrite the book. Yeah. And I guess I'm just not there yet. Brian, what's the longest thing you've written? Oh, gosh. Probably 4,000 words on sitting through 13 hours at the U.S. Open last Labor Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where's that posted? Uh, It's in a personal blog that I've been up keeping since like 2012 when I couldn't find a job and it's like I'm bored I'm just gonna write stuff until I get a job oh it's the best time to do it <laughs> yeah and when then, you got nothing yeah and then it ended up taking on its own life and it's like oh I'm gonna go to this place or this baseball stadium or I've seen this restaurant or saw this concert and I just started writing about that in my spare time you know outside of work and I kind of just you know document what I see like I saw this 
nice play. This actor was really good, etc. That sounds like <laughs> journalism to me. Yeah, sounds like you've got that part of it down. You know, in Brian's defense, I've written three thousand words. That post is way longer than three thousand. We <laughs> said four thousand. It's probably closer to twelve. Oh geez. Like I remember writing out three thousand, and it looked really nice because it was like a, a page and a half or whatever with not double space. And I remember reading your blog post, and it felt like a lot more than what I'd written. So, like it was so much more information dense. I liked it, but thanks. I wasn't. I, I wasn't really doing that for the the competitive purpose. I was just curious what you would be willing to write that many words for, because your oh, your normal right. your normal stuff, I assume, isn't more than a thousand. If you're just doing if you're doing plugs on websites, they don't normally tolerate yeah. more than that. So. Yeah, yeah. If it's if it's for another website, it'll be like maybe eight hundred words. If it's for myself, I'll max it out at like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. And yeah, the U.S. Open was just a one time excessive amount of writing just for the heck of it. I assume you were there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty hot that day. <laughs> that was Labor Day, right? Yeah, it was Labor Day. Yeah, it was a full Labor Day. Yeah. Toasty. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience, though, just trying to figure out how to make everything seem cohesive, even though they were technically... Individual four, games. Four, yeah, four different separate events just yeah. housed under one roof. One hot roof, but yeah. yeah. How many sports do you follow, Brian? Too many. I mean, soccer season starts up in about three weeks. I keep up with hockey, um, the NBA, the NFL, uh, tennis. You could have just said all of them. Man. All of them. That's that's all. I the sports. started with too many. I got decided to yeah, I got a name drop. All of them. Give them. No, but that's not too many. What, what <laughs> sports do you not follow? Uh, golf. Okay. <laughs> Solid. Thank you. That's that's a good list. I can yeah. go behind that list. Hov, do you follow sports? Not. No. Okay. That's not true. You no. follow Melee, Magic, Gathering. Yeah, I was going to say, not without the, uh, <laughs> the very relevant E at the beginning of Hungry that Box. Sport. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag Hungrybox. Great job winning Evo. Um, yeah, I think the only one that I, that I really follow would be Melee. Like, I'll, I'll follow, like, the competitive metagaming of Magic, because I like to be in it, like we mentioned. But I don't know the players' names. Like, yeah, they'll poke up every once in a while, and someone will say, oh, yeah, this, this player did this deck. Like, I think I heard that name six years ago. I have no idea what the guy does, what he looks like, or whatever. I just know that he plays magic. But for Melee, it's it's very different. There's a lot. Then and, and Melee's had a lot of big uh writing to it too, honestly. The um, the Melee at On Me podcast has a, a website that they do articles and it's either like analyses by um by some of the, the people who are like heading the site, or they'll be pro players giving uh advice on certain matchups, which is it's pretty interesting and they're sufficiently eloquent, which is nice. Um I guess they've got plenty of time to do it so and it, it's great i love to read them they're smart people i just remembered why i went on that tirade about civilization and we didn't actually get into it so <laughs> writing process right oh, beginning middle end beginning middle and end brian how do you start writing Some, sometimes i start at the end <laughs> that's a good move <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's super meta yeah. that's uh i mean that's that's a strategy i've heard in fiction because a lot of times a lot of times the the inspiration for a book comes from the twist right <laughs> that, that is going sense. to form what the book turns into and, and i mean for what it's worth whenever i write a um i mean this is jumping the gun tremendously but i i almost deliberately don't write the introduction until later i think that's i think that may be one of the most damaging things about the way that we're taught to write essays in school because we're done they're done on such a deadline that you have no choice but to write right. your introduction immediately but i think Attempting to tell your audience what you're going to write about before you've written it is very dangerous. I agree. Because yeah. it implies that you knew exactly what you're going to say when you start, which aside from 
aside from essentially closing the book on changing your mind about it <laughs> while you're going through it, um, it's just it's just not as coherent. No. Um, but that's you know, uh, and actually for what it's worth, I don't think there's much else that's wrong with the FCAT. That's the uh, the Florida assessment, the the FCAT five paragraph essay format for the purpose of just getting your thoughts out about something is fine in every other regard. I mean, yeah. it's it's a little boilerplate to say. I think this for these three reasons, and then have one paragraph for each. But that's that's how thoughts work. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a perfectly valid way to do it. It's just you should have to come up with those reasons as you go, and then revise them later, which you get no choice on. But so, Brian, you start at the end. How do you start at the end on a sports thing? Oh, um, it may be just like a moment, uh, like a goal near the end of the match, or just something that just kind of ties the event up together. Um, do you I, ever put that end moment at the beginning? Occasionally, I do. Oh, okay. I, I'm flexible, put it that way. I mean, I can ima- I can imagine that <laughs> yeah. being an interesting way to do that. I've seen yeah. I've seen examples of that where essentially you you start uh, you don't yeah. bury the lead. You start yeah. with the thing that is the primary traction, yeah. and then yeah. it blows out from there. Yeah, yeah. Just I, like go back to explain why it happened, kind of thing. Yeah, I try to follow that for the most part, but sometimes you just kind of have to start at the end and work your way backward because so many things happen, but you got to focus on this one moment that stands out above the rest and kind of piece the other little moments together to kind of construct the narrative that leads up to that pivotal point. I, that, that, that makes sense to <laughs> yeah. me. I mean, and, and that would also potentially keep your interest because it means that by knowing not, you don't know where it's going, you know where it's leading from, it probably makes writing more a lot simpler because all you're doing is elaborating on that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that works pretty good. Hav, where do you start your writing? Uh, this is going to sound a little bit arrogant, but I try to get inspired by myself. Like whenever <laughs> I've had to do um, reflections or essays for the the classes that I'm taking, I've usually, the first one's always a little bit tricky because I have to grind through it. But the second one's I'll like go back and see how I wrote the other one, what the first paragraph looked like, what the last one did. Say, okay, I can probably like change accordingly. Um, I, d- I do like the idea of starting with the end though. Like you definitely want to start with something that's that's important and kind of go from there and kind of expand outwards like even if it's not the end point it's just the part that you're most excited about um like brian said the pivotal goal uh it's it's definitely a fun to explain how that happened and what the repercussions are like for sure i can i can get behind that type of writing so why doesn't that work sometimes if it Part of the problem is if there's more than one pivotal moment, <laughs> they end up you, you end up having them compete with each other, which is unfortunate. The bimodal, yeah, or or when the structure of your whatever you're saying is very important, so you can't you can't fudge it. You you want it to have like particular points, and they do have to be in order. This is more for for technical writing um, than it is for for blogging, but there'll usually be a lot of like bullet points that have to be assessed uh, when you do writing. So, I'm. I'm trying to think how I actually start. I don't know that I have a process for it, um, which is why it occurred to me that this end thing is probably a good idea because that's not really how I, I – I feel like my whole writing process has sort of devolved. It doesn't – It like it almost – Ryan was on here a couple – I think it was a week ago now talking about his podcast um, and how he does his writing. And he writes long form now. Mm-hmm. And I can absolutely see the benefits of having to slow down enough to think hard enough about what you're going to say because you're going to get carpal tunnel syndrome if you just write down absolutely everything that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's just a lot of benefits to the sketch format. But I don't think that would be conducive to the way I think anymore. Um, when I write an essay, 
I basically start by writing if if I had to give an elevator pitch and not even an elevator pitch like we're walking by each other and I I can only say as much as I can get out by the time we pass by each other about anything I come up with an exceptionally crude variant of the thing I'm trying to say mm-hmm. and then I go to the next thing and come up with an exceptionally crude variant and I just I I then have a massive list of basically summaries in a row and then I look through them and I figure out which one I want to elaborate on right now. And my writing process, like my whole essay is technically done in about 15 minutes. It's just terrible at the time. And I I basically just improve on it iteratively. Like I just, I sweep through it over and over and over again. And it's, I know that it it seems to work. Like people, (laughs) people, people seem to be okay with the way I write, but I've, I haven't heard of many people that do it that way. Like usually, I, I the most I've heard about is outlining, and I don't mm. want to call I don't want to call what I do outlining because okay. it doesn't because it actually attempts to convey the point of whatever I'm saying. It's not it's not like we're going to talk about this. It is I'm talking about this just in the tersest way I possibly can. Yeah, it's it could be a freestanding essay in the sense that it conveys all the information that you want it to do. It, it would just, just suck. It sounds okay. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just it's a method that I've not seen anywhere else and it makes me wonder if it's actually worth doing, but I don't know. I don't know. It seems to take a long time. I actually I guess that would be Brian, how long uh, does it take you to write an 800-word sports essay? Oh, jeez. Um I have I also have to include some links. Uh, for SEO and all that fun content stuff, hashtag content. Uh, so, you know, people, you know, get the page clicks. I don't, I don't know how you aren't rolling in ad money. <laughs> I wish I was. You've got this down, man. <laughs> I, I do it out of mockery, though, than actual, like, you know, sin, sin, sincerity. So does everyone else, man. <laughs> but uh, with the research and the writing, probably about three to four hours, worst case scenario. I was thinking two or three hours whenever I've written something for, yeah. for magic. It's like a thousand words. I'll definitely spend the first hour and a half of it staring. <laughs> and the next 30 minutes writing infinite words. And then the last hour, like, revising it. I, I, I do still start from the beginning because I, I don't know. It probably leads to better essays doing it the ways that you guys do, like, revising it a whole lot. Well, I don't, I don't know. But I get really self-satisfied as I'm writing something. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. It's really, it's really infrequent, actually, that I go back and I change something because I don't like the way it sounded. That's interesting. Because I, I, I craft a sentence in my head, and then as I'm typing it out, it's like, this sounds really good. And I'm, I feel like I'm usually right. That's probably arrogant. But I, I feel like I spend enough time on each sentence, like, as I'm... Like thinking of what it's gonna say. I guess that's part of that's that's a helpful part of knowing how to type with the right fingers, is that I can think about what the next sentence is gonna say while I'm typing the other one because it's just muscle memories on how to spell words. So I have a little bit of extra time for type for figuring out what I'm writing each time. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that that is <laughs> that is so completely. There's an old saying that anything you wrote more than six months ago is not yours. It's the uh, it's the idea that you, you can read anything that you put out that long ago and you don't even recognize the writing because oh, wow. you've changed. So my version be doing it wrong. <laughs> so, so my version of that is that anything I wrote more than six months ago is shit. Oh, okay, like, agreed. I, I can't like I my my opinion of everything I write changes constantly. It's it's sort of probably why I fell into this iterative format because if I didn't do that, it would be. I would just constantly, I would get to the end, 
start back at the beginning, rewrite everything, get back to the top, and just have to do that right, in sort over, of like over. a regressive format until I finally like, not even satisfied, but just tired of doing it. Yeah. Anything you wrote more than six hours ago is somebody <laughs> else's writing. Well, I, to some extent, that's it does kinda, feel that way sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. I'm I'm like permanently dissatisfied with the way that things flow. <laughs> I mean, the I, that stupid poll. I was going to do an essay on Black Lives Matter. Not going to happen. I tried for just I tried for a couple of hours to, re- and it wasn't specifically about Black Lives Matter. It was about protests in general. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to expand it. I was going to even have Ryan on a podcast. We may still do that, maybe as an analysis of protests over the last fifty years since the civil rights movement, which basically ruined the the concept of a protest because it was so overwhelmingly successful um, <laughs> compared to most. Um, it, it it's held up it's held up as a beacon and it is a it's a tremendously powerful movement but it's also just not at all representative of the way they normally work um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get into that and I knew so soon after starting that I was there was literally no way I could write what I wanted to say there just and I just I just had to stop yeah. um, which with the furry essay I can't do because I feel an obligation to actually as as a white guy I'm fine shutting up about that mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't bother me as I mentioned in the pulse essay the only reason I bothered writing about that was because I feel at least tangential not tangentially that would be the exact opposite of what I mean but I feel at least peripherally affected by it um so there's some degree of obligation. Without that obligation there, absolutely no way I could finish that essay. All right. Understandable. Um, which is, I, I think, and not to pull comparisons between me and DFW, because I don't think that's warranted, although I do steal a lot of his style. Um, I think that's why DFW didn't write about things he cares about all that often either. Uh, he writes about going to state fairs and things like that, because it's that level of detachment meant that he could actually be okay with what he wrote. Right. Yeah. Um, when it's when it's not something super personal, you can be like, oh, there's probably someone who's more invested who will write a better version of this essay than me. But this one is enough. This one is enough for me. Well, it, well, it's just it's the standards. You just yeah. You don't. It's it's hard enough to write something and put it out. I mean, this doesn't even apply just to writing. It's just to do something and in some way be defined by it mm-hmm. because it's got by you at the mm-hmm. bottom of it. Yeah, you've definitely mentioned that a handful of times. And it just podcast. and that sucks. And I mean, that's. The Toriel costume is a perfect example of that. I don't have a specific personal attachment to that the way that I would to a normal fursuit, so I was able to just crank that thing out. Um, it, that that almost seems necessary, and that's um, so. I need to figure out how to adopt Hav. Uh, I need to figure out how to adopt this style of being okay with it. Oh, and, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the trick, and I feel like all of us have it. We just don't want to admit it to ourselves. Is that you have to be like almost passively egotistical. Like, you don't tell people about it, but you get real self-satisfied by your own work. I'm like, damn, I am so clever. Like, I've literally gone back and read something, and I'm like, God, I'm so clever. Like, literally said that out loud because I thought it was just just a, a, a great snippet of whatever it was that I wrote. <laughs> that, um, so I have, a, I have a parallel universe experience to this, which is that I read anyone's opinion about anything I care about and go, Wow, they did a terrible job <laughs> describing this. Right. <laughs> and that's the only thing that drives me. It's it's the thing that keeps me moving on a lot of these subjects. It definitely steps me forward as well. Just looking at something and thinking, I don't think this person explained this as well as it could have been explained. And I might be the person to be able to do that. 
No, I, I go in with that thought. The problem is the second I start writing, I then go, oh, this is why they can't do it either. Oh, right. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, again, I guess I just have lower standards for writing. Because it it's hard. Yeah. This is, uh, I actually did an exercise related to this a little while ago. There's a, there's a comic called House Pets that I espouse pretty mm-hmm. highly in the fur community. Not because it's great. It's not a great comic. Um, but it is the one where I learned to care about characters. Um, the right. writing, the writing, and it, it's not, it's not that funny because it's a little too self-referential for that. Like there's, there's a little too much meta humor. But I actually had an exercise a little while ago where I was like, okay, Mr. Critic, could you do any better? So I just sat down. I went through like season three of this comic, and I rewrote all the dialogue mm-hmm. just to see if I could write a funnier version of House Pets. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, <laughs> but I did a terrible job. <laughs> there may have been one joke that I hit harder, was, but the rest was just no. Nope. I mean, for, for the most part, for the most part, it was me. Uh, and I, I do think this would—it was an improvement, but it's just—it's such a—it's such an irrelevant improvement. Was to just remove words. Was to just be right. more concise. Okay. But that's not rewriting the joke. That's not actually like creative. That's—that's that's just ed- that just means Rick needs an editor. Oh, it also just means that he has a different opinion of, of speech. It's because, like, if, if it's dialogue... Then no, it, absolutely. For the most part, it's just this is how I expect speech to be. No, I, don't get me wrong. The lesson of this is that I don't do it any better. <laughs> like right. The lesson is that I'm wrong in some sense. Yeah. Um, but it is a fun exercise, and I do actually highly recommend that. There have been plenty of examples in history. Um, who's it? Uh, Hunter S. Thompson rewrote Ernest Hemingway's works by hand. For the express purpose of seeing, of trying to figure out why he wrote what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seemed to work for him. So I I do absolutely recommend doing that. It's a, um, it's hard to turn that into not a passive activity. You have to be engaged enough and care enough about what you're writing to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you... It's worth stealing good ideas from other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a that's an easy way to do it if tedious. Yeah. Ryan, have you? Uh, do you have Ryan. any specific? <laughs> do you? I, I'm. Ryan. I'm going to say that was a slip. There's um. Do you have any specific inspirations for writing? Oh yeah, it's kind of wild. I completely neglected reading and writing through college because I was barely passing my classes. So I kind of like missed out on a lot of the world and politics and whatever. But once I got out. You didn't out, miss out. Oh, okay. Thanks. That's you good just, to know. You just didn't hear about it. Right. It's still, it still <laughs> affects. This is the magic of politics. It affects you whether you know about it or not. So. Yeah. But um, yeah, once I got out and, you know, like instead of getting like a newspaper delivery like I did living down in Orlando, it's like, hey, I'll just like follow uh, journalists on Twitter or like newspapers on Twitter and just get my articles from there. So there's like Jason Gay, the sports uh, the sports columnist of the Wall Street Journal, probably my biggest influence because he sees sports from both a cultural cultural perspective as well as a fan's perspective. Um, and he's pretty level-headed in his opinions, nothing blowhard about him. Um, Jason Gay, let's see what else. Um, I... Man, that's this is a weird list because I never really thought about it. It's usually yeah, Jason Gay is at the top of my list. Um, I mean, it's partially my fault for not reminding you to come up with this list beforehand. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of writers for the Guardian who um, who write basically match reports um, in the Premier League that also double as narratives for the game. Um, so it's not just like fact, fact, fact. Um, and 
for a report. They're not, they're not actually literally robots like some of them are. Yeah, yeah. They, they still hire people to write sometimes for sports events. Uh, so, yeah, like uh, Barney Roney is one of them. Um, that's the only name I can remember at the moment. But, yeah, they, they include everything in their narratives from, like, the crowd reactions to maybe, like, something as minuscule as, like, the security security around the arena because of something like in Euro 2016, France was, you know, on edge because of a potential terrorist attack at the big event. Uh, so, yeah, they brought up the security. They brought up the fan uh, the fan jubilance as kind of like a, uh, what's the uh, I can't think of the word. A juxtaposition. There we go. Juxtaposition against the tense security setting outside. And then crafted that into the, like, the boring game that turned out to be Portugal winning 1-0 in extra time against France. In the final. It's football. Yeah, it's football. <laughs> yeah, so it's just... They I pick- don't know how you tolerate that sport. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to revise that. How do you people tolerate that sport? Oh, uh, the tactics. Yeah, the same way you tolerate almost every sport. Yeah. Like, you, you realize it's not going to be action the whole time. Yeah. Like, we can't all watch hockey. But even then, Daki doesn't score all the time. So it's, it's fun to see, like, when you see a plan coming through, it's even more fun to see when a plan doesn't work or, like, it gets intervened in some capacity and, like, it costs a goal or something from your team or the other team. You just brought up another, you just brought up an idea, um, or actually another name that I forgot, uh, Zach Lowe of uh, ESPN. He talks about tactics in his, uh, in his articles. His articles are about, like, 2,000 to 3,000 words every week. And they include everything from salary analysis for potential trades between two teams, potential free agent signings, and how they can fit them in with random terminology like the, I don't know, like the unaccepted bonus. Um, and he includes uh, little GIFs of the tactics he's talking about. So he'll actually record games um, make little videos out of them, and then he'll point out the actual pick and roll or the movement between two different players on an offense um, to keep the ball rolling away from the defense, and then write about it in detail and explain why it works. It's incredible what he does, and he doesn't. He makes three thousand words seem like nothing because of all the analysis he includes. That's, that's <laughs> some information dense play by play. Is that is that the kind of thing that you would want to edge toward? Um, I'm going to do a little bit of that with the punditry articles once the season starts up, but I don't have any of the capabilities he has with like recording games and making GIFs out of Wait, them. Wait, how don't you have recording game capabilities? Well, I have a DVR, but I don't really know how to transfer it from uh, <laughs> from the TV to the laptop without using my freaking camera phone and just recording that little snippet. <laughs> Bri- Brian, Google that shit. Come uh, on, man. I'm sure David has some of the materials probably. he can help you with. Brian, you have all the materials you need to do this. Oh, wow. Also, if it's a GIF, you could literally just record it with your camera phone and no one would tell. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's... They're not okay. super high quality, and they tend to be pretty short. Yeah, I think I think you'll be all right. Yeah. So that even that goes outside of writing into creation. So that's way yeah. too far off topic. Is <laughs> everyone here a grammar Nazi? Yeah, yeah. I definitely had discussions with one of my coworkers about Oxford comma a little while ago. It was fun. Fuck Oxford comma. Whatever, man. It's bullshit. You do you. Oxford comma. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not putting this down. <laughs> the Oxford comma is the result. Of people being afraid to use the correct punctuation marks. Because English teachers mark them off, sometimes erroneously, for using things like colons, semicolons, and m-dashes improperly. I'll give you an example. Every joke about the Oxford comma is the result of someone not using a colon correctly. And by that I mean they're afraid to use it because... 
they got marked off in school for it probably. Whenever we're talking about, let's see, you pick any three-person list, you have um, the people who attended the uh, – I'm, I'm going to completely flub and come up with an example. I'm just going to edit this. I'm going to find an example of this. Courtesy of BuzzFeed.com, we invited the strippers JFK and Stalin. That's not a problem if you say we invited the strippers JFK and Stalin and you only have one comma because we know it's a list. If you instead had put we invited the strippers colon JFK and Stalin like you're supposed to because that's the actual formation you're talking about, it wouldn't be a problem. Right. So... I'm not saying this is everyone's fault. I'm saying this is literally precisely English teacher's fault. Okay. Um, so I'm not blaming everyone, but fuck the Oxford comma. It is not necessary. No. Hashtag oily face problems and that BuzzFeed article that Dave just read off. It just, and it's literally, <laughs> literally every, every single one of these is the same joke over and mm -hmm. over and over again. I had eggs, toast, orange juice. I had... We invited the Renat. That's it literally is the exact same. Yeah, this is boring and terrible. Uh, the Oxford, be, I don't know what you were expecting. Resist. <laughs> no, it's it's a shitty argument. It's based on one example that is the direct result of people not using enough punctuation. Also, in the realm of grammar Nazism, even though I would theoretically consider myself one, I almost feel like I'm moving away from it in sort of an expressionist way. This is where you get the, the romantic era of music was people having the standard forms down so pat that they start to experiment with them. Mm. This is Picasso. If, if anyone hasn't done this, look up Picasso's early work. It looks like every Enlightenment painter you've ever seen. Mm. He learned how to draw that poorly after learning how to draw really well. Right. And that's basically my philosophy for the purpose of grammar and rhetoric more generally. Um, I, I really like M-dashes. Mm -hmm. They and are no, great. <laughs> and, and it's, I don't see them enough. Like, nobody uses them. And it's weird because I, I actually feel some form of self-censorship when I use more than one flowery punctuation mark. Like, <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Like a semicolon. If I use more than one in one paragraph... Like, it feels indulgent, which is the <laughs> stupidest thing. Because I use a period at the end of every sentence. Yeah, I definitely got marked off on a, an essay in one of my classes because I used a semicolon incorrectly, even though looking at it, it was literally the only thing he changed about the essay. And it was a correct semicolon. Yeah. So I just kind of laughed. I'm like, mm, okay. It's absolutely horrible. And That's that, fine. I mean, that is enough. You remember that that <laughs> happened. Yeah. Because the rest of my essay was flawless. That's why he didn't write about it. <laughs> This is, this is like an epidemic, and I don't know what to do about it. But English teachers, if someone uses a semicolon, I don't even care if they use it incorrectly. Just go, yo, you should have used it here, but good fucking job. <laughs> because it's overuse. They're, they, they're trying to prevent overuse. They want people to not just keep using the wrong ones in the wrong places. And some students, when they learn about something, they want to keep using them, and that's, it can be cumbersome. I, man, it opens, up, it opens up writing so much. Yeah, you know. It's there for a reason, but it's it's so. There's a lot of times where it shouldn't be used. It's so, so. important, but it's in natural voice cadence. That's, unless you're yeah. a boring. That was my following point: is that you're not supposed to write in natural voice cadence when you're writing the technical writing that teachers are teaching you to write. 
I mean, if There's you want a wanna, difference between prose and rhetoric. I mean, if yeah, but it's it's much smaller than people give it credit for. Okay, I can see that. It's for it's sure. it's just you you limit yourself so needlessly, mm. especially unless unless you're just a boring ass speaker too. <laughs> The way, there's a lot of caveating. There's a lot of chopping sentences. Like th- this stuff all actually happens right. in conversations, and it's what makes good dialogue good. That's what makes writing not technically language in terms of linguistics. It's oh, a whole geez. different subset. look, language man. <laughs> I mean, I, I I totally take that point. That's, that's <laughs> Hoff is completely right because there. It is just more constructive than natural language. Yeah, yeah. you you have to. It has to be taught to you. Yeah. We try to replicate it when we do writing, but it's obviously a little bit difficult. I've summarized that at the top since I interrupted you halfway through and I knew I I knew what you were talking about. Oh, right, right. How when people say that uh writing is somehow like helps develop our speech um when they're trying to compare compare words to other words that it's when you do linguistics only cares about sounds and actual words or in case of sign language actual signs when you're writing something it's a completely different subset of communication. It's not language in the sense that linguistics looks at it. It can't be compared to speech because it's a completely different animal. Um, this is what makes me wonder when you, because <laughs> you got you got a degree in linguistics. I sure did. And then you don't write. No. <laughs> it makes it makes me wonder sometimes. How well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did linguistics uh, linguistics make you see writing as evil? Oh no, it didn't. <laughs> I still like to write. It's just I don't like to write it enough to do it very often. And I hate having like a half complete project because then I keep thinking about it. Amen. <laughs> Brian, how many almost completed essays do you have? Um, I had to. It's mostly in the personal blog, and there's probably about like six or seven I'm just never gonna finish. Excellent. Yeah. Delete that shit. <laughs> I think I'm only at about three. So. Yeah. Maybe just two. But. Just two. Floggy Molly and... One of the magic articles. Oh, okay. I still want to see that Floggy Molly one. Yeah, I'll, I might still read it. <laughs> I mean, with a mile from home, you know, that's yeah. a great song. I want to hear your praise for it. Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Find a folder on your computer, label it garbage, put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. You don't have to delete it per se, but... I'll ghost read it for you if you want. <laughs> I By all means. I haven't even extended that offer. Do you want to put some on the site? Uh, I, I, what do you want from me? I don't care. Anything. Yeah, sure. sure anything creation is awesome. anything, anything creation based. Anything that qualifies as a machination, and feel free to look that up and be just as confused then as you are now about yeah, what okay. that means. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, you can't see in the podcast yet, but my, I just have a perplexed face right now, <laughs> trying to figure out what machination would mean in my context. <laughs> It means whatever I need it to mean. Oh, that's <laughs> that great. sounds about right. Very actually. fluid. That's that, great. That is that is kind of the point. I will that add a lot of m dashes in just for you know our pleasure when I get to that. <laughs> so silly. And in my role as a good podcast host, I'll point out how good a segue it was from beginning to ends, talking about things we haven't completed. <laughs> Speaking of segues, he says. <laughs> um. So how the hell do you finish a thing? How do I finish a thing, Brian? Hav, how oh. do you how do you actually put the thing out? Again, I have lower standards than you guys, so there there's a certain point where I realize that I'm done, and I don't think that's super difficult for me. <laughs> like I, if I've hit the beats that I want to hit, it flows well. I think I've written something clever. Then I'm like, okay, solid. That's some I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. if if I go through the essay, like I'll, I'll definitely reread it just to make sure that it's all it's all flowing correctly. 
But when I get to the end and I feel like it's not missing anything and I didn't add anything superfluous, I'll say that's probably fine and I'll be good. And again, most of my writing is for class, so it's a little bit like I'm not super invested in how it looks. It just has to hit the right beats. <laughs> See, I, and people may know this if they know me on the FB or on Twitter or any of these places. I can't even do that for stuff that's approximately 135 characters. Oh, man, I love um, that stuff. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I probably edit more of my Facebook posts than anyone I know because by the time I hit enter, I realize how bad they are. And uh, it's not merely typos. I, I reform Mm. I, I reform, reword all of my all of my posts, <clears throat> which is a completely insane waste of time. Since I probably shouldn't be on any of those sites most of the time, anyway. Um, but like that's the level of precious. It's preciousness almost feels like the wrong word sometimes because this is more of a disdain. Like I'm not polishing a diamond. I'm um, I'm rearranging. This is a terrible metaphor. Brian, <laughs> save me. Do oh, you do yeah. this with your posts? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, because you have to be concise with 140 characters. Sure. On Facebook, not so much, because I just post pictures of stupid observations I see when I'm walking around, and I just kind of make fun of them. Is uh, that good for you? It's more cathartic for me. And it also helps me try to, uh, I guess, remind myself to think of my feet and you know, be aware of my surroundings as Pokemon Go likes to remind everyone. Um, so yeah, it's like I look out for silly stuff. Um, whether it be like, don't park here, um, you know, violators will be prosecuted. For some reason, I may laugh at that, but just where it's placed, somewhere in the street. Um, See, I, I feel no compulsion to tell people about that stuff. <laughs> I, I almost actually force myself to do it sometimes, and I feel gross for doing it. <laughs> it, it yeah, it's more for my self-satisfaction than for like anyone else. I mean, Facebook's also kind of like a repository. It's like my third backup for photos I've taken on my camera. I mean, That's, yeah. I mean, I have my camera phone storage. I have my digital, not my digital hard drive, but I stir the hard drive, my regular hard drive, and then Facebook as like a last ditch. I mean, I could realistically make all those posts like me only, but then just too lazy to change the setting. <laughs> yep, just yeah. low standard. Sorry, I was rechecking some of my Facebook statuses, and it's really just me looking at an idea and being like, Yep, that seems clever. <laughs> if it's good enough for me, it doesn't have to be good enough for other people. If it is, then that's cool and I feel better about it. But otherwise, it's fine. It doesn't have to. Yeah. I, I, man, I was, uh, I don't, I, I don't, this is, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep stumbling over myself. I just can't, I, I can't get behind. Like, if I'm gonna mention someone else's article, like, if I'm gonna share something mm -hmm. on a website, it either needs to be like rock solid, long form, important, mm -hmm. or 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 worth commenting on outside of the piece itself. Like for example, if Mercedes Benz were to invent a golf cart, <laughs> this would be worth this would be worthy of commentary because whoever's writing about it is probably not going to understand how hilarious. A Mercedes Benz golf cart looks. Did you share something on this like <laughs> okay. a couple weeks ago? I did. I thought you did. I just didn't so, click on it. <laughs> so that design is fabulous. And it needed to be pointed out because people were talking about it like, oh, they're making a ritzy, super, you know, the super rich 1% version yeah. of the golf cart. Um, that's not what they made. They made the best open air clown car I've ever seen. <laughs> it is... It is fabulous, and that's worth commenting on because nobody's talking about it. But, but like, I mean, I just opened BuzzFeed. I do what I can. 
to never be on that part of the internet. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the 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 clickbait almost. Well, I mean, BuzzFeed is almost called. I think there is actually. I don't know that it's specifically called clickbait.com, but there are websites that are called things. Oh, yeah. like that. Clickhole, I think, is one of them. Yes, there we go. Clickhole is one of them. Safety of egregious, really. <laughs> and what annoys me about those sites is that everyone seems to basically agree that they're bad. Um, it's just the way we consume information. It's yeah. short. You don't have to try, except that BuzzFeed makes you click infinite times to get through it. But whatever. I uh, know, but that's that's the thing. Like no one, no one agrees. <laughs> With the way that these things are done. No. Also, I don't... I, I'm a little hesitant to call it consuming information sometimes. <laughs> it is. The information doesn't have to be dense. Well, they like the word content. Hashtag content. Oh, there you go. Consuming Hashtag content. Content, content <laughs> consumption. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, a diatribe. it's a diatribe I've been saving. Like, oh. The word content. Oh, I should just make this a content website. Okay, oh, this changes. No, this changes. No, this changes everything. What have we done, Brian? Oh man, my bad. Oh, this feels so liberating. <laughs> this feels so. Li- I guess. I guess sometimes I do that anyway. I do put songs up sometimes. Um. Oh, I need a second opinion, Brian. How was my Independence Day theme? I actually have it saved on my computer, and I listen to it every so often just for kicks. All right. <laughs> All right, Jacob. That's one and one. <laughs> you got to bring your A game to this. <sighs> Content generation. I got it. Like this is these are the kind of epiphanies that we need the podcast Content for. aggregation. Well, the thing is, for you, <laughs> most of the stuff that you've generated hasn't been content. It's been almost physical. Like that's that's it's so laden with information. Been at the heart of of actual garbage for such a long time is having a product. And, kind and of like failing to deliver on but it. But that's fine grinding. because you still have it. <laughs> and having like lessons from it seems to be such an important part of it. That like, I know. That's the information part as opposed to the content part <laughs> yeah, that I'm hearing I, about now. I like the information though. It's been a lot of fun to read <sighs> and listen to. It's so hard. Both. It's so hard to generate information. Man, I don't know why I didn't. Oh, this is a breakthrough. Oh, doggone. <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Well, I don't I, think so. All right. I mean, just, yeah, nothing super relevant. I, I keep talking about having low standards, but I, I realize the reason I say that is because I think everybody else does. Like, I've written something that I thought was hot garbage before, and my instructors have been like, this was great. I'm like, wow, everyone else must just write terribly. They do. So that's why I can have low standards <laughs> for myself. It's because I'm just like a slightly above average writer. So if I can just hit that mark most of the time, then I'm in good shape. Brian? Um, writing is fun because it is incredibly frustrating. And number two, this podcast should end by us name dropping the Twitter handle for the Machination Log and the <laughs> Facebook link for the Machination Log. Do you have an Instagram? Or That's going to do it for the Machination Log. <laughs> no, if you want I'm to. developing one right now. No, nah, go to machinationlog.com or hopefully at some point. This is, this is actually a perfect example of telling people what you're going to do failing. Um, this will be on SoundCloud someday, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, How about the email address? How's that going? What? Oh, I, it exists. Actualgarbage.net at gmail.com. All go. spelled <laughs> out is there. It's on the website. If you actually care, you could get in contact with the website. Also, if we start getting anybody to respond to it, which uh, hasn't happened yet, but you never know, faith spring or faith springs eternal, hope springs eternal. Um, we'll hopefully get the two minutes hate section going here. Um, so send in any vitriol you have on any subject, whether it's related to this podcast or not, and uh, we will read it on the air. We'll discuss it. Typos and all. There's um, 
I think there's some great promise in this kind of uh, content, meaningless. <laughs> yes, content, <laughs> complete meaningless information. Has information a word for it now. free. Oh, it's a paradigm shift. Good That's going to do it. Uh, Hav Brian, I'm at Brian UF on Twitter. <laughs> Hav, where can the folks catch you? Uh, When's your next improv show? I mean, technically, I I do smash uh, tweeting with uh, uh, at Apollo FL. Otherwise, I don't really tweet. Outstanding. Good morning, everyone.